Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Checkpoint Radio. My name is James. I'm Ben. I'm Connor. And I'm Charlie. And coming up today, we're looking at Star Wars Jedi Survivor's terrible launch and why the UK has blocked the Microsoft Activision deal, so let's get into it. Well, these episodes are coming around fast, boys. Here we are for episode six already. Um, before we get into the good stuff with Star Wars and Activision and all that, how's everyone's weeks been? Very good. Same old. Saw two of you yesterday in the flesh, which was lots of fun. <laughs> yeah, that was a good good time. Yeah, yeah. but we're it... kind of feeling it now, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, so people mm. may not know this, but we don't actually live kind of that close to each other. Like, we always have to arrange things to meet up and see each other and do stuff so every now and then we well me and my, my partner we like to have all year round for a few drinks play some games talk shit and just yeah. have fun and catch up really because we don't really get to see each other often it's nice for no. us all to be together but connor wasn't there so how was your Unfortunately. night very dull i was looking at <laughs> notes most of my night you were looking at what <laughs> notes i was, <laughs> I was, I was being social prepping. then Oh, podcast yeah. prepping, yeah. All the, all the social stuff. Well, I expect a lot for you in this episode then. If you've had all night to prepare, <laughs> that means you should be coming with bangers, you know, insight, insight. and even more insight. I've got so some can't insight. wait to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's everyone else been up to then? How, how's, um, how's, how's you played any other games or done anything cool or interesting? Yeah, so I've actually been making a real good effort of playing through The Witcher 3 for my 27th time. But my also my last there time, eventually. yeah. So I've been I've never completed The Witcher. It was the reason I upgraded my PC back in the day, and now it's finally time to see it through to the end and complete it. So that's the objective, and that, it's been great. I've, I've been really enjoying it yeah. this time around. I mean, what what stopped you before then? Because we've, uh, we've been we have this. This is kind of like a running joke with you uh, that yeah. you, you've played, you've started and restarted this game. I still well, don't think he'll finish it. No, I won't. No, I don't either. I've but got zero I, faith. For years, I had a real terrible, um, like, I just have a poor attention span. So if I don't get gripped for something for, like, for a long time, I'm just going to drop it and play something else. So with The Witcher, there was a few times where I was like, oh, okay, I'll come back to that. I'm going to play this new game that's just come out or play something different because The Witcher is a long game. Um, but my problem is, my biggest problem, which I've gotten rid of now, is if I stop playing the game for too long, I feel like, well, I don't know what's going on anymore. And I feel like I need to restart the game to inform myself yeah. of everything. And then I'll end up restarting The Witcher. No joke, like five times I've like gone back to the start because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I've not played this game in like six months. I'm just going to restart and play it through again. And this is going to be the time. But um, but I have that for the with last games. yeah. But for mm. the last year, I've gone back and I've absolutely annihilated my backlog of games with a whole new, refreshed. Like, this is it. I'm gonna play it through all the way. It's through now or never. Yeah, that's it. So acting like you might die tomorrow. You gotta get it, it done. So adding it to the list and and uh, one day I'll have no backlog. Probably that's not gonna not happen. No. Well, what about the expansions though? Because like, there's yeah, the, I'm doing the, those too. Is it the Okay, because the Heart of Blood Stone Moon. expansion is like a 50-hour game in itself. No That's way. That's a big chunk of game. Yeah, it's massive. It's a whole new region. Um, oh, I didn't realise. No, not Heart of Stone. Blood and Wine, sorry. Blood and yeah. Wine. So yeah. Blood and Wine's got a whole new region. It's um, There's like new game mechanics in the game. Oh. And, uh, 
all new characters. Yeah, it's, it's a really, really good expansion, actually. And that, that could have released as a standalone game and it's easily 30, 40 or 50 hours if, if you push it that yeah. far worth of content. Hearts of Stone's and, about 20 hours as well, isn't it? Yeah, Hearts of Stone's yeah. a decent little, little expansion too. But I feel like this time around where I can really, I'm taking the time to read everything and listen to everything and fill myself in with the lore. So I have a real good understanding. I'm in that Novigrad bit now where it's very much like a walk and talk sim. There's not a lot of combat. Yeah. It's very diplomatic. But mm. it's good, especially if you make sure to like listen to everything and stay informed about the ongoings of the world of Yeah. The Witcher. That's one thing the Witcher done done really well. One thing I always loved about the game was how like <clears throat> they incorporate the war and the politics into the game yeah. itself and how it's all kind of like everything changes around you as you sort of progress through the story and, and that's it these these warring factions are kind of like going out after each other and there's like political espionage and stuff like yeah. that people betraying each other and, and you're, it's you're, so so good for like f just building the world like yeah you don't get that it. much depth from from many games no and then the fact that you're in a very unique position where everybody you come across is absolutely affected by this war in like like great depth it's going to affect their lives massively but as a witcher you couldn't really care much you know what i mean you don't care as much as everyone else does because the witches are their own like army yeah. if you know what i mean they do he's like their a own sword thing. he's a sword for hire basically isn't he, yeah. he, he whoever pays pays Geralt to do That's whatever it. they want him to if do, he'll, he'll do it yeah yeah so, one great I love thing it. about that when you go on to do a side mission, you'll walk across a battlefield and there'll be like rotten corpses and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the environment to the battlefield. Yeah, I love that. And you feel like the really world great. is mm. like living. Lived, it's actually alive. Yeah, it's yeah. lived in. Mm. And the people are actually going through this. Yeah. But, um, yeah that's and cool. the next I mean, gen version can... is fantastic as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can talk about The Witcher all night, but this ain't a Witcher <laughs> podcast. So let's no. move on. So um, this week we've had one major news story with the Activision things, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Um, in terms of games, though, Star Wars Jedi Survivor released um, the much-anticipated sequel to Fallen Order, but it didn't release to the acclaim from games that we expected. It currently sits at a mixed aggregate score on Steam, but mm -hmm. not because the game is bad from the story or gameplay or graphics perspective, but because it doesn't fucking work on anyone's PCs. It's broken as hell. Shame. And everyone's mm. unhappy about it, and quite rightly so. And I mean, we'll talk about Star Wars specifically. And I can—I've played the game on PC, so I can give you some of sort of the insight that I've got. But there seems to be a real problem at the moment with AAA ports on PC and them not working. Mm. Um, have you guys looked at the Star Wars stuff? Like, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I see. So, go on, Connor. I can't remember. Um, I I'd heard rumblings earlier on the week. I think me and you. I had a quick conversation about it last week, James, about there was no sort of PC specs sort of out saying like what it runs at, the frame rate and stuff like that, which you usually get beforehand, especially with the stuff that's happened with Redfall. And I was at work and a notification popped up about Digital Foundry had looked at the game and they looked at the Metacritic and I think PS5 is like 87, Xbox is like 85 and then PC was looking at like 80, 81 and it wasn't down to the game at all. It was just down to how it runs. Yeah. Solely how it runs. Yeah. Drop frames. I think one of the tests I saw, I don't think they got anywhere near 60 frames a second. They was at 40, 45 frames a second. 
compared to consoles running It's one higher. of the um, main reasons, because we were all planning to, a bit of a backstory, we were all planning to buy and play uh, Fallen Order. Is Fallen Order? Jedi Survivor. It's Jedi Survivor. To obviously make a podcast episode about it and be very topical and current. Yeah, because it's, it's one of the most hyped games for mm. us and just generally as well. Because exactly. I mean, like if you if you can remember, if you cast your mind back to Fallen Order, that had similar kind of issues when that released on PC. I don't mm. remember that because I didn't pick it up when it came out. I, I yeah, played the game months after it came out. So a lot of the bugs and problems at launch were fixed by the time I, I got to play it. But yeah, mm. it's it's like a repeat of that of yeah. almost note for note of, of that that incident. We'll say incident, but, but that that situation. Yeah. And yeah, we was but, all hyped for it. And like you say, Ben, we're gonna all play it. And we're gonna make some content for it because it's a game we were really interested in, one we really wanted to cover. And uh yeah, I was put off by the uh, the the apparent performance issues that people were having, and I was like, well, yeah, I do want to play the game and make the content for the podcast work. But then there's also a part of me that thinks like, I just want to play the game, and it works flawlessly as all games that get released should. Yeah. We shouldn't have to be waiting for games to get patches months or weeks or months after release to yeah. then be in a perfectly playable state. Mm. It should always be released in the most perfect condition. Like, I've, I may, we may have said this before, but it's like you would never go to the cinema and watch a film that still needs to be touched up. Like, yeah. you are watching if, that like, film. Imagine, can you imagine going to a movie and watching like a big blockbuster science fiction movie or a comic book movie, a superhero film, and like, Half the CGI is like not being yeah. finished. Oh yeah, we'll come you, back. You, and it just wouldn't cinema. happen. Like you, no. you're not you're not paying for a product. Then you're paying for a half baked thing. Yeah, that's not yeah. being finished. And I don't know why um, these publishers think they can get away with it with video games. Mm. I honestly don't know why. Yeah, because I feel like I understand. I understand you have the intricacies of infinite combinations of PC components ranging from very outdated and needing a severe upgrade to obviously top of the line and all of the combinations of the hardware that you could possibly have and optimizing your game to work on any variation of machine i understand must be very difficult but yeah. surely surely if you can get to that stage as many a game that comes out in a broken state are mm. and then they do get fixed after a while that's proof that it's possible so why not just yeah. wait until it's in that state and then release it always? Yeah. Like, I don't get it. I don't Problem get it. Is... You can't do it with anything else, can you? Like, you couldn't buy a car. And yeah. Then, <laughs> and be like, you okay, know. you'll get the wheels oh, next week. It, your brakes yeah. don't work. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I need to patch. Yeah, you know, it'll be patched at some point. They're not made for PCs. They're made for consoles. And then they get yeah. a third-party company to port it. That's the biggest issue. Even though It's weird because it's made, made on a PC. PC. Yeah. I think it's a it's like a combination of things because ever since we kind of switched to this like online digital world, we sort of migrated into it, and, and you can release kind of post-release patches. The publishers are kind of taking a piss a little bit because mm. they know they can almost kind of get away with it because yeah, we mm. we do continue to buy the games and play the games even yeah. though they release in this state, and people say, oh yeah, you know, you should should uh, tell the publishers what you think, like just vote with your wallet type thing. You know, mm. but people will still buy the game anyway. Like I bought yeah. the game, I bought the game. I didn't pre-order it, but I bought it on the day that it released. And I've been quite lucky, I think, in a lot of regards because my experience with the game has been mostly positive, and there's not really been any issues performance-wise with my, um, like my time with it. But that could be down to a combination of things. I mean, I played the game after the day one patch was released, so I don't know what it was like before that. 
And also I've got like quite a modern PC, which I recently upgraded. So I think that helps as well. Mm. So, you know, it's going to be different for everyone. And like you said, Ben, the fact that there's like a thousands of different configurations on PC to, to sort of build a game for, but it almost makes you think that, well, why can't you build the best version of the game that you can with like the most common hardware out there that people use and then just add graphical and f- and fidelity sort of like features on top of that to scale it up for people that have yeah. got the more powerful hardware. So if you can get the game running at 60 FPS stable with low to mid range hardware looking reasonably decent, because it's not going to yeah. look fantastic on cheap PC hardware, obviously, then but then you can like scale the it up with the, it? with the, exactly. That's the foundation, but it feels like a lot of developers, I don't know if it's the choice they've made or it's under pressure from the publisher to go kind of flashy and sort of hit that kind of really sort of slick visual style and then mm. try and fit it onto PCs with um, less powerful hardware and make it work on those mm. PCs. And then people just yeah. end up having problems because the combinations and different sort of hardware configurations for your PC, obviously they haven't accounted for it because they're trying yeah. to hit this level of visual fidelity. And what you explained almost sounds like the way porting should work. Like porting sounds to me like you're making something that should run very well to 60 to th- from 30 to 60 fps on like a set machine that's like yeah. the console and then adding extra bits to then be scaled up for more powerful pc systems when it's ported over so it sounds mm. like porting should be the correct way of doing it but there are so many examples of games that are, are straight yeah. port that are just so poorly done that it's just a it's just, I don't yeah. know, I feel like, I don't know. Do it's they need running. to have some kind of, um, like, punishment? Like, this is a product, you're paying, your customers are paying a lot of money, money for it, and you've yeah. raised it in a terrible state. Do they need to be, like, punished to, like, stop mm. the pandemic of un- unfinished games being released that's the whole kind of like vote with your wallet thing isn't it i mean the only way yeah. they're going to stop doing it is if people just stop buying the games like if you know ea suddenly realize that there's a big black hole next to star wars jedi survivor where it's underperformed because people know that it's a broken game upon release and they're going to wait to pay for it maybe they'll think oh, okay well maybe next time we make a game we'll do better mm. yeah it's yeah. got to the point now where like the day one patch is a running joke, isn't it? Like every game's got a day one patch. But it's like, it's so common. Yeah. It's li- literally yeah. every game, like you say, every game. It's just become accepted. And it's not yeah. a small patch either. I can understand getting a game and it's like 400 megabytes. It might be something yeah. to do with the UI or something. But these are big patches. Yeah. yeah. I suppose the only thing we can do, I suppose, is give the devs for this Star Wars game a little bit of credit because there are lots of games that come out in a terrible state without a day one patch and it yeah. will be like for instance the last of us cyberpunk battlefield anthem they were examples of games that came out where it was bedlam and for for months mm. before the i mean the fact the fact that state. yeah the fact that respawn said before the game come out that they will be supporting the game with post-release patches for the next few weeks straight away that's Alarm like bells. I mean, come on, the game's not mm. even out yet and you, you, you admit that the game is broken in some aspects of it aren't working the way it's intended mm. and you're telling us that you're going to be patching the game. I don't know if that's damage control or just trying to be honest and friendly. The other thing I wanted to kind of talk about as well with in regards to this is 
uh, the 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 next generation consoles, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, have kind of like listed all these buzzwords for next gen that they think gamers really care about, like 4K, for example. I don't care about gaming in 4K personally. I game on a PC that is very capable of gaming in 4K, but I'd rather have high frame rates. Yeah, and that is something that really needs to be kind of like understood by publishers and developers. Because I can guarantee that if you showed someone a ver- two versions of a game, one of them was 1440p running at 60 or 120 FPS, and the other one was 4K running at 30 FPS, yeah, they'd man. choose the fucking 60 FPS one yeah. every time. Because it looks so much better when it's smoother like that. Regardless of how you know detailed the, the actual image is, you're not yeah. sitting there counting those fucking pixels. No, it's no. definitely like one of those fads that kind of, I, th- I feel like in the board meeting rooms, they would have been like, 4K, that's the future. Let's push it. Buzzword, go, go, it? go. Buzzword. Yeah. But in reality, like you said, I'd much rather play at 1440p. I feel like it's the sweet spot for, for me personally, where yeah. you can get the balance of great looking sort of content visually and then the, the bonus of having a higher frame rate as well. So, yeah, for 4K, I'd I'd pick a lower res, higher frame rate every day, every single yeah. day. It's mad yeah. because the PS5 in particular, when that released, it didn't it didn't support 1440p, so it obviously wasn't even a consideration for for PlayStation at the time. But it supported that 4K. Developers, yeah, it supported it's, yeah, it supported mm. 4K. But to be fair, like most of the games now, they won't be rendering in true 4K. It'll be some fucking checkerboard upscale, upscale bullshit when yeah. it's What's the point? Do you think yeah. it's fair to go after the devs about these issues? I just think it's more the publishers putting so much pressure on them to get the game out by this was, certain date. That was Cyberpunk's issue was the shareholders. The, the investors wanted the game out to get their money back when they invested into Cyberpunk. So I do think this happens. But you look at the companies, like mentioned Battlefield, Anthem, Battlefield has not released a game that's worked for it's EA right at launch for how many years? Yeah. What and if Battlefield if, three that was a disaster. Yeah, and if EA allow that precedent, they go, oh, it's fine, we'll patch it. Mm. A smaller studio is going to look at it, go, oh, the big boys are doing it, and then it becomes like the day one patch. I remember getting the three sixty and Xbox Live. Obviously, couldn't patch games before then on console, and then everyone does it, and it's still yeah. here today. Yeah. So if the big boys are allowed to do it, if Xbox and Sony can do it, the smaller mm. companies, obviously, they're smaller games and they're going to probably run into a bit more yeah. more issues than the bigger companies. It's just going to continue until someone cracks yeah. down on it. And then we've got, um, obviously, Redfall is coming out next week, but by the time this podcast comes out, it will already be out. Okay. And that game is is locked at 4K30 on consoles. Well, on the Xbox, it's like the Xbox fully supports 1440p as well. It has done since like the beginning, since it released. The Xbox, like to be fair to Xbox, they they the, the, the Xbox Series X has got a whole host of like different kind of um features and stuff with it, and it's always supported 1440p. Um, it's got like all these sort of next gen variable refresh rate, uh, rate shade, and all this whatever it's called. And I don't know why th- this game, which is an Xbox exclusive game now because they own Bethesda, it's locked at 30 FPS when they've got the option to sort of like display it in 1440p and maybe crank up the um the 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 performance of it, the refresh rate of it. And they said as well, Arcane, sorry Connor, but Arcane said as well that um a 60 FPS update will be coming to consoles 
in the next few weeks. Just don't release the game then until like, that's ready. You shouldn't be releasing a shooter at 30 frames a second in 2023. Yeah. For what for 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 the sake of reaching 4K, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't make any sense. It makes yeah. no sense because, mm. like, it's p- particularly with a first-person shooter, like so much of the enjoyment of the game is taken away by having a slow, um, frame rate. Yeah, I I feel like this game is going to be actually a good example for the devs maybe to be like, yeah, maybe 4K 30 is not the way to go. Like, I feel like the yeah. reception that it got was like obviously not good. So if you're yeah. a console player and you're getting it on Xbox and it's through Game Pass, most modern tellies say they sport 4K and it's just upgrades. Yeah. So there's no real mm. need for it. So if mm. I were to play Redfall at 1080, for instance, is that still capped at 30? I'm not sure how it actually works on um on on console, but they they said that the game will be locked to 30 FPS. But I don't think there's going to be like a 1080p version of it because on the Series X, it's going to be 4K 30. And then on the Series S, I think it'll be 1440p 30. But then the 60 FPS mode will be coming a bit later on. But yeah, part of me does feel a little bit like, because I'm a PC gamer, we're all PC gamers, like, I'm just used to playing every, everything at 60 FPS. Yeah. But I remember um, when Horizon, what was the second one called? Forbidden West. Forbidden yeah, West. when Forbidden West come out and it had like, the, the, uh, everyone talks about how graphically this game is incredible but I don't, I don't see like, well when I played it back then I, I weren't seeing it I didn't know what everyone was talking about it looked like fucking trash to me and it was like the the uh, the fidelity mode was some super choppy 30 fps 4k mode and then the performance mode was like 40 or 45 frames per second or something and it was just like it was just shit mm. and yeah I, I don't I don't understand like I, I just feel like developers and I'm, I'm sure they know this that the game people would much rather play the game at like a higher frame rate because it's more enjoyable. And I'm, I'm yeah. not the only one who thinks that. No, I feel like you know when there's some games that come out. I'm trying to think of some examples, maybe Doom or something, where they look so good and they run so good, like yeah. they find that perfect balance of like we're not trying to bust your PC's balls in regards to like graphical demand. But we're trying to make something that fits on the scale balancing between performance and quality. It's but even uh, if Doom Eternal came out and that ran like shit at the beginning, oh, which is understand because Doom One come out and there wasn't a massive graphic fidelity between two. Yeah. When Doom One come oh, out, that game ran perfect. I've got an example: Overwatch. I think Overwatch is like uh, graphical style and quality is so good. I love the the style of that game so much. But it runs absolutely amazingly. So yeah. I feel like they it's found like... It's made for PC. Yeah. It was but made found, for PC first. Yeah. But they, I feel like they found that... I don't know. Actually, I can't comment on how it runs on console. I've never played it on a console. But for me, it's one of those games where I'll look at my frame rate and it will be like 300. 500 stupid. FPS. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just made... It looks astonishing, but then it also runs exceptionally well. And yeah, I know it's a competitive game and that you need to have that sort of competitive mm. fps but still yeah yeah well um going back to star wars jedi survivor i mean I, I don't know um how people are feeling about it at the moment but since the day one patch and with my experience on the game personally i think they've addre- they must have addressed a lot of the issues because i'm not seeing like anything close to some of the kind um, of really bad performance stuff that people are having because on so i watched a, a review of it and in the first area you, you're in i can't remember what the 
planet's called. But um, people were getting, pe- people had like 4090s, like the most expensive, powerful GPU on the market, and they couldn't hit a consistent 60 FPS. Wait. The game was literally stuck at like 30 to 40 FPS, no matter what you did to the settings. But I never had that issue. I've only got a, th- what's it only? I've got a 3080 in my PC, and I was hitting 70 to 80 frames per second throughout the whole of that opening mission. So I, th- I feel like the, issues may have been addressed but then apparently yeah. a lot of the problem with star wars jedi survivor came down to your cpu I see. so i've got a 13th uh, gen intel cpu because the game is like if you look at your performance like charts while you're playing the game it will be fucking sucking the life out of your processor oh wow yeah yeah there is, mm. just i've seen is once you get out the first part of star wars then the performance goes straight up so it just yeah. seems like it's locked in that beginning area i don't know why I'm not sure. So. I'm definitely going to get it. Um, mm. It's just one of those things where, like, for instance, maybe two or three days ago, The Last of Us came out with apparently a massive patch to address a lot of their performance issues on PC. And then I'm yeah. like, well, great, but I've completed it now. Like, I'm glad <laughs> that you've updated it. Too late. But it's, yeah, I've completed it. I'm not yeah. going to play this game again. Yeah. So it's too little. It does. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, a good point because. Like Cyberpunk is probably like the most well Cyberpunk and I'd say Battlefield twenty forty two as well, but Cyberpunk in particular was one of the most like high high profile sort of um, case study or examples of this in recent memory. Mm. Like the hype for that game was unbelievable. Yeah, was, it was, was off the off fucking the, charts. Yeah, it well, we were, all of us were hyped for it. The whole world was hyped for it. Keanu Reeves is on fucking stage. <laughs> He's getting me hyped for it. And I can't wait to play the game. And I just couldn't believe the mess it was in when it came out. Mm, it was it was still. terrible. And like the game now is very playable. And they fixed so many of the issues. But it's like, I've been burned already. I don't want to go back and play the game now. Because yeah, I, I slogged through. It's a sour taste, doesn't it? Exactly like, that. I slogged not, through like 40, 45 hours of the game with people just fucking T-posing randomly in the street. People, characters walking through like buildings. And it, it, was, it, was a, it was a horrible experience. Like, I'm not going to go back to it. And it's all well and good saying, oh, yeah, we'll patch the game after it releases. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. There are going to be so many people that are going to play that game on day one, be absolutely put off by it and not touch it again. It's like The yeah. Last of Us. Or just like, get the refund. Yeah. You'd, play, you'd played The Last of Us beforehand, hadn't you, Ben? Yeah, yeah. I played it on yeah, the so PS4. If, if you're a PC game and you've only had a PC and Last of Us comes to PC... And it's this seminal game. It's rave reviews. People love that game. It goes down as one of the best games of all time. And that's your first time playing it and you can't play it properly. It's ruined for you. Like James yeah. said with Cyberpunk. Yeah. You've then got it's a sour hard. taste in your mouth. You're like, yeah. no, nah, fuck that game. And it's hard to go back. Like, even if mm. they fix it, it's... Yeah. Like, the, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to go back and play Last of Us. As amazing as the game is, it's one yeah. of those games where it's one and done. Once you've completed it, you're not going to go back and play yeah. it again. Yeah, the re the well the replayability is is there for some people, but I'm yeah. I'm the same because it's such like a I, I don't know what it is there, there's games and films like that where they're so good and you watch them or you play them you think that's fucking amazing. Yeah, but I'm not gonna play again. No, exactly. I'm, I'm Certainly not straight away. It. And I'm yeah. on a quest to go through Give my it backlog, five years. so I can't be going back and playing yeah like Mm-mm. the same game too much. But anyway, hey, well hopefully hopefully again. um. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully the the developers respawn can, you know, get these patches out asap and not have to put people through too much of a wait to get the game in a playable state. Mm. Um, Star Wars Jedi Survivor out now. If you want to try it, don't recommend it though. 
give it a bit. So on to this week's biggest news story and probably one of the biggest news stories to come out in the past year. The UK has blocked the Xbox Activision deal in what many are considering a unexpected turn of events. Mm. On Wednesday the 26th of April, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority announced that it will be blocking Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard King over fears of how the deal will position the tech giant in the cloud gaming space. The decision, which will have significant impact on Microsoft buying the publisher behind Call of Duty, Candy Crush, World of Warcraft, Overwatch, etc., came off the back of the CMA declaring that the impact of such deal will be minimal when it comes to how it would shape the console gaming market. Instead, today's decision stems from the concerns over the deal's possible impact on the cloud gaming sector. The CMA wrote in its final report that Microsoft's ownership of ABK risks stifling competition in an engaging market. Microsoft's president, Brad Smith, said, we remain fully committed to this acquisition and will appeal. Activision Blizzard issued its own response, criticising the decision, citing dire economic prospects in the UK. Uh, I've actually got that quote from Activision, if you want to listen to it. Uh, The CMA report contradicts the ambitions of the UK to become an attractive country to build technology businesses. We will work aggressively with Microsoft to reverse this on appeal. The report's conclusions are a disservice to UK citizens who face increasingly dire economic prospects. Uh, We will reassess our growth plans for the UK. Global innovators, large and small, will take note. Despite all of its rhetoric, the UK is clearly closed for business. So Activision are not happy. Um, Probably because it's paid off. Well, yeah, that's probably part part of it. Uh, Firstly, I'd like to say Activision... If the UK is facing dire economic straits, it is not up to you to say that. Me living in this country, if I want to slag it off and say it's a shithole <laughs> and the economic straits are dire, I will say that. Thank you very much. Mm. Yeah, it's a bit it's, hurt, it's, isn't he? A bit offended. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a weird one because like like we we covered this a couple of weeks ago and we sort of said that um it, it was looking good for Microsoft at one point. Obviously, mm. there were still yeah. concerns about the cloud gaming space, but. For the CMA to do a complete U-turn on what they kind of said originally about how acquiring um, Activision would affect the console gaming market space, we were thinking, okay, well, maybe they you know, know something that we don't. Maybe they're, they're okay with this. We'll and that seemed like the, the bigger hurdle to like jump yeah. over, didn't it? And the cloud yeah. gaming was almost like something... Just a, that... an afterthought. Like, yeah. Mm, As yeah. Everyone was talking about like the Call of Duty, Sony, ver- no, PlayStation versus Xbox and like uh, we brought up in the last one, it was about the clouds where they're going to get issues. Yeah. And mm. then the CMA sort of agreed. Yeah. So, I feel like mm. their biggest thing, because I tried to make a good understanding, is they are, I think they're worried about enforcing restrictions once the acquisition has been approved. They will be left to constantly, they will have to constantly monitor the ongoings of Microsoft Activision after the acquisition to keep everything okay and competitive friendly and everything. So for them, it's just outright easier to just say, no, this isn't good. You're going to be an absolute monster in the cloud gaming scene. And all of the deals and agreements that you'll make will have to be constantly micromanaged by us to make sure it's all above board and everything's fine. And it's just a lot easier for them to turn around and say like, no, we don't want this to happen, especially yeah. when they say that I think they want to see how the cloud gaming 
um, industry develops without any like uh, regulatory sort of backseating going on yeah. they feel like if if microsoft Act activision do merge they're just going to absolutely dominate and the competition just isn't going to stand a chance in their op opinion by the sounds of it yeah <clears throat> but then by denying this acquisition it sounds like they just want the natural development of the cloud gaming providers to develop and grow on their own naturally as they would do so I don't know. I, I I get it. I get why the CMA turned it down. Yeah. But then um, the FTC's brought up similar concerns in the states. They've asked to look at these deals, and Microsoft said you're not looking at them. Like you're not looking at them at all. So they've had to file a motion so they can actually look at these deals to see what the overlays, the mm. outlay of them are. And Microsoft yeah. weren't playing ball. Microsoft had already promised like uh, Activision games to go to Nintendo, Activision games to go to Nvidia. GeForce Now, so if mm. they're all waiting and depending on um, this merger to well on on that actually Ben, it's interesting you bring bring up the these ten year deals that Microsoft has signed over sort of Activision games. Um, a couple of interesting ones. So there's there's a company called Boosteroid, which is a UK based cloud uh, Ukraine based cloud gaming service. Sorry, uh, Ubitus, which is a Taiwan based cloud gaming service who also run Nintendo's cloud gaming service, and Nware, the latest one this week, which is a Spain-based cloud gaming yeah, service. Nware is interesting because they actually have like quite a, um, I don't know how to describe it, like a democratic sort of mission statement, which is they want to make, that they understand that gaming is a luxury and they want to make gaming more available to more people by having games on the cloud, which obviously makes sense because mm. whereas you'd kind of outlay 400 pounds or 450 pounds for an xbox series x or a ps5 or in, in our cases in some cases thousands of pounds for a pc um you can just subscribe for 10 15 pounds a month and play yeah. all these games That's which it. obviously stops the gatekeeping from like a financial sense in gaming mm. because we all kind of forget that gaming is a luxury and yeah. we're all very lucky to be able to have it as a hobby because it's not cheap when you when you start adding up the amount games cost now the hardware yeah. that goes into it consoles and even the services we pay for as well it's not cheap, so I quite as a company they're, they're interesting. But the, the the thing as well, and I, I don't you know pretend to be understanding of this on, on any other level apart from a fan sort of looking in from the outside. Um, the fact that um, the CMA have concerns over like the the cloud sort of dominance of of Microsoft, yet companies like Nware and Boosteroid and Ubitus are, are quite happy to sign these deals to get the games that would then be under Microsoft onto their services. Mm. I just don't understand like where was, why, why are they okay with it? But the CMA aren't okay with it. I get it's to do with regulations and sort of like comp uh, competition and things like that. Well, we've like NVIDIA and places like that, it gets players onto their player base. They want to get into the cloud gaming market. And if they've got Call of Duty, someone might go, oh, I'll sign up for that. Yeah. So it's just I to bring people over. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, I get your point completely, James, but I'm just thinking that the CMA's biggest issue is probably just the fact that, well, if you want to have more games on your service, you have to go to Microsoft for it because I feel like their fear is that Microsoft just have so such a big library now, or what they would do, with so many appealing games. Um, 
Yeah. Everything want, has to go you, through yeah, them. If you want to our mm. games, you have to make a deal with us. Because we own the all thing of it. is as well, if they're making these deals with everyone, to so say, Ben, you sign up for NVIDIA, you're then paying Microsoft regardless. Yeah. So no matter who you sign up for, the money's going to Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. I think that's then, the biggest concern. But well, then what's, what's the difference between Microsoft owning Activision and being able to, you know, lease out these these IPs to whichever company they want to and Activision signing an exclusive deal with yeah. NVIDIA? Because I think What's the difference? Mm. Like, yeah, why bother owning them when you could just make a Because if, if they're that bothered about the size of Activision, then is there not like a regulation against them like signing ex- exclusivity deals like they have done with PlayStation over the last sort of 10 years? Yeah. Is that not the but, same thing? Or am I kind of missing something? Here? Like I'm genuinely asking because I'm curious to understand this more. I think their concerns are because it's an emerging market. If when, say in five years time, Xbox doesn't release a new console, PlayStation bring out a new console, Nintendo bring a new console, but everything's moving up to cloud gaming. When yeah. cloud gaming then takes off, Microsoft own 80% of everything. So then it's anti-competitive. I think that's where the CMA are looking at this because it's an emerging market and we don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. Mm. They're claiming that Microsoft owns 60 to 70% of the cloud gaming market. And I know they've got less in the cloud. I know Amazon are ahead of Microsoft when it comes to the cloud space. I, I, I think because it's in the UK, there are anti-monopoly laws over here. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be where they're looking at it. The CMA have come out and said as well, like there's no way Call of Duty runs on Nintendo. That was a concern with these deals. And yeah, but maybe it'll stream on it. Fine. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I think everything is going to be cloud based. Mm. So if 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 it gets to the point where Microsoft do deals with everyone and now they've got ninety percent of the market share coming into their pocket, no one can compete. Yeah, yeah. I think that's their concerns. So what happens if you're penalised for being in a position where you can, you know, if you're ahead of the curve and you can get into this space? If this had happened like 10, 15 years ago, it would have gone through. Because do you remember, Mm. even now in this country, you have to pay BT to use a landline. BT brought up everything. This is what Microsoft Mm. are trying to do because um, Mm. I see someone describe this as it's like the gold rush. Cloud game. Yeah. We don't know where cloud gaming is going. I think they're projecting in five to six years. I think it's worth like two to three billion now. That's mm. going to go up to eleven in a couple of years. Yeah, this well, the be... the CMA kind of see it as like a real kind of emerging market mm. that's going to have like big impact on the on the on the games industry moving forward. And I, I I get all that, and I understand like the kind of idea that well, Microsoft are already the biggest player in cloud gaming. If they mm. acquire the biggest publisher in gaming that gives them way too much power. And then, you know, if you want Call of Duty on GeForce Now or anywhere or whatever, you'll have to do the deal through Microsoft. But like you said as well, Charlie, Microsoft are kind of like, at the moment with the outcome of this deal and the reasons for it and with like the competition and stuff like that, Microsoft are are getting punished for Sony and Google and Amazon being shit at delivering cloud gaming services, basically. Yeah. Because Amazon, like if Amazon turn around and say they want to buy Activision, what would the CMA say then? Because then you've got the biggest share of cloud infrastructure, bigger than Microsoft Azure. Are they going to like, um, you know, block that deal as well? Yeah. Or or would they see it differently because um, Amazon's cloud gaming share of the market is much, much less than the Microsoft's, even though they've got the biggest infrastructure? 
Makes you yeah. wonder, doesn't mm. it? It's interesting. There's something else I wanted to actually uh, go, sort of lead on from this. So according to um, Sir Ian Livingston, who is the co-founder of Games Workshop, you know, the manufacturer of miniatures such as Warhammer and things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's now a partner at a video game investment group called Hero Capital, and he worked for a little bit at IDOS Montreal, uh, IDOS Interactive, and bought in IPs such as Tomb Raider and uh, Hitman to those those publishers. Um, he believes that the sentiment amongst the UK games industry is that they want the deal to go ahead. Um, he added that it would be odd if the UK was the only region to object this acquisition. Um, he describes the UK games industry as a great British success story, which I, I agree with, having developed some of the biggest franchises in the world, including Tomb Raider and Grand Theft Auto. Um, he went on to say that the UK games industry has always been under, uh, has always been, sorry, over-delivering in content, but undeserved by capital and recognition. It's a highly competitive market and any negative sentiment is not good for the industry or indeed the UK economy, which is interesting because this deal being announced, that's because everyone thought it was going to go through. The fact that the UK have blocked it, what does that mean for the UK games industry? What kind of picture does that paint for the UK in terms of being a maker of So I've got a question to tie into that. So if it went through, how would that also affect us positively so or negatively so i'm trying to answer i'm trying to find an answer for that same question but for the reverse if you know what i mean but i don't really understand how it's going to affect us for or against do you know what i mean because there's there's a yeah part of the industry yeah i understand what you mean but there's this whole idea that like um well go kind of harking back to going back to the um the activision statement that was kind of spun off the fact that the uk very recently said it wanted to be a emerging technological business centric nation in the world yeah. and we, we want tech companies to come to the uk but the cma have essentially shut the door on microsoft in terms of this so i think for in terms of um sir ian livingston who is quite a big person in the, in, in, the, in the games industry in the uk he thinks that that paints a negative sentiment for how the UK games industry is now going to be seen to the rest of the world. If there's companies kind of like in America or in Europe saying, oh, we might might think about setting up a headquarters in the UK or we might want to do this in the UK, All right, they might think, sense. okay, well, maybe it might be difficult to do that because the CMA are really uptight about things. Too much red tape. Yeah. Thing is, we've still mm. got to wait to hear back from the FTC, and there's also a probe from Brussels Commission as well. So they might they might go, yeah, it don't work. Yeah. That's the thing. They've they've I've I don't like the way that Activision and Microsoft have sort of thrown their toys out of the pram. They're going, well, well clearly Britain's closed for business. It's like mm. you're not showing anyone these deals. People yeah, he um, the... was was who's the guy, the president of Microsoft, Brad uh, Brad, Brad, Smith. Brad Smith. He said it's the darkest day in Microsoft's forty years. In terms of its business in the UK, if thinking, Jesus if, Christ, dude, if you're trying to get bad? this deal, if you're trying to get this deal through the door, and the FTC have to go to court to have a look at these deals, something's up. Yeah. And in the UK, when it was coming up to the F, um, the CMA decision, they took out adverts. There's billboards on the mm. underground. They're making so much noise, saying 150 play- million players, this, that, and yeah. the third. The play, loudest one. Play in, Call of Duty on every device you own in your house. The loudest one in the room's got the most to be concerned about so there's something not right with this deal and there's also something i've seen as well um it come from the financial times they've looked into it and they've spoke to insiders that deal with the cma 
So one lawyer told DD, which I think was the the initials of the writer, that the company's facing uphill battle in appealing the, against the CMA's ruling, which they've got till the 24th of May to appeal. And then that goes to the board above the CMA, which is mm. the CAT. Several traders we spoke to said it was likely Activision was going to demand a higher price because within the last fiscal year, Activision's, um, they've got a bigger profit than last year. So they're now right. potentially worth more money because the only reason Microsoft were allowed to do this deal is there was bad press around Activision. Bobby Kotick has created this horrible environment to work in with all these discrimination acts and sexual harassment acts. So the stock in the company went down. So then yeah. it was up for sale. Activision might go right. The deadline's now. We're worth eighty-five million now. Eighty-five billion. That could seriously happen. Yeah. So it's interesting because that um, June. I think it's June the thirtieth. The deadline. Mm. So if the Activision Microsoft deal is not signed and completed by then, um, Activision or Microsoft will be liable for like a breakup fee yeah. of three yeah. billion dollars. But I don't think that's going to happen because I think Activision we'll want to get this deal over the line because we're talking $70 billion here. You're not they're just going to sit back and take that $3 billion. They're going to renegotiate. And apparently this has got um, shareholders in Microsoft and like investors quite pleased because they think that Microsoft is massively overpaying for Activision. So if there's a chance for them to renegotiate the price, then maybe they'll do that and maybe it'll, it'll please more of the um, the shareholders in the company. So well, the And C- actually lower the price. Yeah. Or raise it. Mm. Oh, lower, lower it. it. Mm. So... The CAT are the like governing board for the CMA, and what they do is to say this deal goes. Uh, they look, they don't look into the deal entirely. Look at the process and how the CMA got to this decision. They look at how they've gone about it. But the CAT aims to deal with straightforward cases in under nine months, and Microsoft yeah. Activision. This could take a year to look at. They've got yeah, to look at yeah. everything. So that mm. then goes past the date you said, which is what, June the 30th, James? They'll renegotiate the date, though. They're, mm. they're, I don't think, I, yeah. I think Activision are as desperate to get this deal done as Microsoft are. That's yeah. what it seems like anyway. That's the sentiment that's kind of going around. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, it's weird because even though um, the CMA have blocked the deal, I don't see a scenario where Activision doesn't end up at Microsoft. No. I think so it's going to th- happen. Do you? Yeah, I think it will happen one way or another. Because... Uh, Apparently the FTC don't have any or don't have like a solid enough kind of um, argument for stopping mm. um, the, the the deal altogether, and apparently the the EU are going to allow it. Their 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 um, decision is due on the twenty second of May, so if the EU agree to it and the FTC fails to block the deal, the deal will go through, and then mm. in terms of the UK, the CMA either buckle and accept it or. Microsoft completely reevaluate their business in the UK. Yeah. In terms of the games, which is interesting, isn't it? Because obviously Mm, we were hit with that curveball thinking that this cloud one was going to be, yeah, surely it's going to be fine. So, yeah, who knows, really? But it's strange, though, because, like, yeah, for them to be kind of hung up on cloud gaming, I I get that it's like an emerging market, but like like with a lot of things, it's impossible to tell how cloud gaming is going to kind of like if people are even going to take to it because we've we've, yeah. we've already seen with Google Stadia that that came and went yeah. but obviously that had its own issues it had issues with like the pricing models and stuff like that and the fact that you had to like buy the games and then pay on top of it for like a streaming service so that was all like it's their all own kind of on, fault really it's all based on projections they're going yeah. well it could be worth this much in this much time no one knows well yeah. let's let's bring it back to kind of like 
our thoughts as gamers. What do you guys think of cloud gaming at the moment? Do you, do you have any hope that it's going to be the mainstream or my hope, hope might not be the right word, but do you think it will become mainstream? Can you imagine giving up your PC and streaming no. games? So for me personally, I have no interest in cloud gaming just because selfishly, I'm very fortunate to have a good PC where I will need no alternative. Like I don't have... I don't have the problem of having a game where I can't run it. So it would never be like, oh, I can't run this very well. I might be able to play it better whilst streaming it. But it's it's just not an option for me. Like, yeah, I don't, it just doesn't, I understand why cloud gaming would be appealing to people who maybe aren't as fortunate or don't have the ability to have a, a powerful PC or a next-gen console. And I, I can completely get that maybe cloud gaming will be their, their only feasible financial way of playing games where and how they mm. like but for me yeah. just doesn't interest me at all but what if yeah. okay what if what if um let, let's just say all latency and lag issues were completely eliminated and streaming a game was as quick responsive as it is as you playing it on your pc locally does that change things for you because that changes everything for me yeah personally because, like, yeah, if you were to say that, like, the latency, I think that's, for me, one of the biggest issues. Like, I tried yeah. it once where I I tried to um, stream Rocket League and the, the latency just made it completely unplayable. A game that requires, like, micro-adjusting precise actions and jumping at the precise moment to head the ball... You can't yeah. be, you can't have that delay, and I don't see how you'd mm, be. Dab mm. I don't know how I'd be able to play Call of Duty while streaming it. And it seems impossible, player. doesn't it? Yeah, I don't understand. You'd be so, you'd be so many milliseconds behind everyone else that it just seems such an unfair advantage. But like you said, if if they could provide a service, or maybe I haven't played Cal gaming in years, maybe that's it's already quite like that. But if you were to play just a nice single player game where you don't need millisecond reaction times and whatnot yeah yeah it, it would be hard to turn your nose up at that regardless of the pc or platform that you play on so because mm. imagine for instance we started this whole podcast episode talking about terrible um performance on uh like 30 fps locked games on console imagine instead that those games were streamed to the console running on a higher quality system yeah and then the console it doesn't matter what you could be playing on an xbox 360 do you know what i mean mm. so you sound like you've just convinced yourself that now cloud gaming is actually good yeah no, yeah but but only <laughs> it has the potential it had, to be good yeah, yeah. i think it's it got massive the, potential yeah. i think it's got huge potential i think that it's because so dependent like, on the internet isn't it yeah, because to, to be practical about it like no one's saying you have to give up your pc because so you could still use your pc Mm. and um you could still use discord like the, the way we use it you could still you know do all that stuff but rather than kind of like going on to steam and running a game and booting a game you'd go into the xbox game pass app and then just click mm. play so you can still yeah. use like your um pc as we use it now with like multiple yeah. programs and recording stuff and streaming stuff and, and all that and stuff, stuff but you just you're just not playing the game locally you're streaming it instead and especially if the deal's sweetened with the whole Xbox Game Pass model where there'll just be free games. You don't have to buy any of them. 
most of yeah. them. Mm. They're all just mm. there, ready to be played completely free because of your subscription. But then like, where do you stand with, like, I like owning a game. That's on my computer. I can play it whenever I want. Yeah, if they yeah. shut At down the point service, do they go, oh, well, we're, we're taking this game off Game Pass yeah. now. I yeah, see that. But that that when... online always, always sorry, but that that always online oh. and sort of live service model is is a big bone of contention for a lot of gamers because there's that whole well, if you shut down the servers, I can't play my game anymore that I've paid yeah. sixty pounds for. Mm. So that's why, yeah, like I get that's that. why GOG have kind of set their own path with that DRM. Is it DRM where if you yeah. buy a game, you own the game regardless like not, of not region locked. Yeah. yeah, they have people actually like making sure that there's a patch so that if the game ever comes offline you can then play the game offline and i've seen it on gog where you can go into like the additional downloads and download the offline patch for a for an online only game because that's their promise yeah Mm, that's good i like that yeah i think for me like i kind of see cloud gaming as being like an addition i'd like to be able to like 3d cinema sitting in front of the sofa or yeah. if it works well, play games well, on my phone when I've I'm out an and idea. about, that'd be cool. But it's not going to replace my PC. Go on, Ben. Maybe, maybe we should, for a future podcast episode, give cloud gaming a try. Yeah. And um, come I've, back I've, I've, yeah, with our actual first-hand experience. I, I, would, I would really want to try it. I'm really interested in, in GeForce Now and like NVIDIA's cloud offerings because they've got like different tiers like you can get like the 4090 tier, you can get the 4080 tier, and like you oh. get different sort of like visual fidelity for the games that you're streaming. I didn't so know that. So that's quite interesting. Um, yeah, I'm up for trying that. I've, I've, to be fair, like I don't have Game Pass Ultimate now, but when I did have it, I did try the streaming and it's, it, it is hard. It's, it's, it's a slog because it's, it is laggy. And, um, you know, I'm not going to kind of sugarcoat it and say, oh, yeah, it's amazing. You're streaming game, play it instantly. Oh, well, it's mm. nice shit. Yeah, I suppose yeah, the it only... does stop for a bit sometimes, and then yeah. Like, yeah. But bit... another added bonus is obviously playing games from a bygone era. So, like, you know, when PlayStation did like the whole PS3 games, and you could stream back those. Catalogs. Yeah, so yeah. being able to play, like, I think you can stream. Is it Metal Gear Solid? Or there's some old PlayStation Two, maybe PlayStation One <laughs> game that you can't get on PC natively, mm. but you can stream it using okay. a cloud yeah. gaming service something that wouldn't you, you wouldn't be able to play it on pc otherwise so well it's, it's but, funny actually you say that because um xbox not recently it's a while ago they recently bought um goldeneye onto x cloud right. from the nintendo 64 and i jumped on it and played through the first mission streaming it no on my phone and it was uh-huh. it was hard to do but i did it just to kind of like experience it and have a bit of nostalgia and it was but, streamed yeah, it was streamed, and but it's like the concept of it is incredible. Like the, the actual concept of streaming a game to your phone and playing it is a really, really interesting one that I am eager to see how it develops over the years. Like I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, I'm just going to stick to PC." Oh, I've, uh, I'm open to it. I'm open to the idea of it, yeah. and I would like to see how it develops mm. because it potentially it's got you know the, the 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 possibility that it could change a lot of things for a lot of people. And like we said, kind of at the top of this segment. Um, the idea of cloud gaming is to open up gaming, which is a luxury and kind of gate kept behind financial barriers for a lot of people. Yeah, It will open up for so many more people. And as we've come to know, and as many people have come to know over the past few years, 
particularly through lockdown, that gaming is not just a fucking waste of time for you sitting in your basement, being a sweaty little neek, sweating out on COD or whatever you're doing. It's It can be sociable and it can be That's fun it. and you can learn stuff mm. about games, about people, the stories they tell you. We know yeah. this. And now other it's, people are knowing this. It's why the games industry is fucking massive. And so good. Like, I think you have actually changed my opinion on cloud gaming now. You know, after you said, like, maybe I convinced myself. But obviously, I'm playing through The Witcher now. And I am very fortunate to be able to play it max settings, like, good frame rate. But yeah. I do think to myself now, like, thinking from someone else's perspective, if they didn't have the cap capability to play it as well as I can, once again, not trying to brag, mm. but... I'd like, yeah, maybe cloud gaming would be the only way for me to experience that. Like, yeah. being able to jump on just my everyday laptop, play The Witcher 3 with fucking max settings, flawlessly streamed to my PC, and then, yeah, no, yeah, I've, I, yeah, I totally see yeah. a future for cloud you gaming. You should get to the point where you'd be able to play it for your telly. You just have to sync up a controller. Yeah, if they yeah. stick an Xbox Game Pass app on your TV. Sure. I think they've already got one on, on, Samsung, on Samsung, Samsung TVs. Yeah. yeah, I thought I'm sure they've already yeah. got one. I've not checked it out, but... Yeah. You can get, like, the NVIDIA box. I can't yeah. what it's called. Shield. Mm. And yeah. um, that's that's technically the same thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting talking about this because, I mean, obviously we try and relate it back to us as gamers and fans and other people that might be kind of sitting there wondering, well, how does this affect me? What the fuck's I got to do with the price of milk, as they say? But yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's fun and to, to theorize. And the Xbox Activision deal, like we, this, is not the last we've heard. Is obviously it's going to be ongoing for the probably the next year now. So um, yeah, we'll keep you all updated as and yeah. when things change. Mm. Absolutely. So we always wanted to get listeners of the show involved in the podcast. It was one of our biggest aims for Checkpoint Radio. And now we've had a few episodes to learn about presenting a podcast and presenting gaming news. We've finally had the opportunity to reach out to you guys for questions and comments. First of all, just like to say a big thank you to everyone who sent us a message over the past week. We really appreciate it. And we actually got a few more than I thought we would. So unfortunately, we won't be able to read them all out on this episode. Uh, but we will continue to read them out and answer the messages as the episodes come out over the next few weeks. So having said that, our first question is from one of our Discord members, Ikea Panda, who firstly says that their dream franchise reboot would be Star Fox 64. Has anyone played Star Fox? No, no. Oh, you bunch of uneducated peasants. It's such a good game. <laughs> Obviously, the Nintendo 64 is an iconic console as it is, and Star Fox is just another great game from that era. But yeah, good shout. Um, thanks for that. And uh their question for us is, recently I have found it hard to find a game where I can really connect with the story and characters and get lost into their world. Is it just me or is something you guys have felt as well? I don't know. I, also, I, I feel that. I do find it hard. I don't know whether it's just being an adult and maybe having a little bit less time to play games and actually sink my teeth into it. But yeah, I, I struggle to find a game that I can't think of the last game. Maybe Red Dead Two. Yeah, but I completely agree I've, with that. Not... That would be the last game I played where I felt really connected to the mm. characters. And I think and the story. before that, it was Red Dead The one. Last of Us. No, The Last of Us. That I was think the it last depends game where on... I fully was like, I'm in yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends on two things. Mm, okay. Maybe more, but I think two things mostly. I think it depends on the game, obviously. 
depends on how in depth and like rich story and character development mm. the game's got. But then I also think it depends on play style because you can have a game like Red Dead and skip through all the dialogue and play a game like The Witcher and skip through the dialogue. And if you don't play the game the way the game wants to be played, you will not connect with the characters, not connect with the story. So I think yeah. I, I'm, I, I am quite an immersive gamer. I will try and take the time. Like, for instance, in The Witcher so far, every single book I've picked up, I've read every single word of every single book I've, I've read. I know. You never got to finish that game. <laughs> this is why you've restarted six times. But I feel <laughs> so informed about the world. Like, this question, yeah. this question hits me really different right now because I'm quite literally... I feel so connected within the Witcher story in the Witcher world right now because of the way that I've been playing it. So I think it's interesting. The game and your play style. Yeah. There might be more. I think it's the length of these games. You think the length of the games is kind of killing it for you? um, And everything's an open world now. The games are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, I think Red Dead, even though the world's massive, the story kept you grounded. And I mm. think The Witcher 3 is the same. If you're playing a game that's 80 to 90 to 100 hours long and you, you're wandering around doing all the side missions, you're not attached to the actual characters. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to sink into you. Whereas I played Dredge last week on my week off. It's a 10-hour game. It completely hooked me in for 10 hours. I'm in and out. I knew the characters. I like the world. It's a solid story. One and done. And it... It's it's not sitting there like I think that's my biggest gripe with the Assassin's Creed games. They're ginormous. How yeah. are you going to play? And the world's massive, and you can explore everything. But the characters and the story and the plot have clearly not been put to the top of the priority list. It's oh look at this tech demo. Look how big the world is. Yeah. So it oh, does so- take a CD project or a, a rock star to really sink its claws into you. Yeah, I played um, Lost Ark. Uh, when it first came to like the Western market. And that was an example of a game that had so much lore and backstory that it was too much. There was, it felt like there was so much overwhelming information for you to try and catch up on in this like ever evolving world that, mm. that, that you could, you could have a very deep understanding of the story if you'd spent like actually the rest of your game in life understanding it like it was there was so many characters and so much backstory and so much lore that yeah. there's the, it, all the pieces are there for you to have a real connection with the story and feel informed and like but there was so much of it that it was it yeah. was too too much yeah well yeah. i think i'm i'm more on the side of you with this one charlie i rarely get attached to games these days um i played God of War Ragnarok recently. That was probably the last big story game I played. Well, obviously Hogwarts Legacy as well. But neither of those games were really, really have me sort of like, oh, wow, this is incredible. I love these characters. Yeah. Story so, it's just a revelation. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Oh, plot twist. Yeah. I played it. I was like, it, was good. it was good. It was good, yeah. but I'm, I'm not like blown away by it. Red Dead 2, completely agree. Probably the last time I, probably the last time I cried playing a game actually was Red Dead 2. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you, you get that emotional connection to the characters in that game whereas like 100% Hogwarts Legacy if someone died yeah. Hogwarts Legacy was more just fucking Whatever. blasting people off the edge of cliffs and stuff oh, cool um, right next question our next question is from Dan on Instagram and he says if you were to be teleported into a game and they reference like the last Starfire 
for the foreseeable future until you complete it, which game would you like to be teleported into and why? Ooh. That's an excellent question. Yeah. I need to think on that for a minute. Someone go first. I don't don't have one. I've got one. Uh, one. Traveller's Rest. It's a nice that, That's game. that fucking like pub management yeah. game in it. I'm going to go in, <laughs> own my own in, brew my own alcohol, grow my own yeah. crops. Perfect. Sell I'll people booze. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really nice, nice and relaxed. <laughs> it's a nice soundtrack going in the background. I can just chill out, yeah. own my own pub. I don't know what See, game I could actually... that's a bit of a shock, be... Connor. I thought Why? you'd go like a football manager. Look... Oh yeah, football manager. Yeah, you could make yourself, a, a, make yourself a football manager. It. Yeah, Fort Manager would be class as well. But like most yeah. of these games are like, oh, you're in the middle of the Wild West and you're going to get polio at any fucking given moment. Yeah. Complete it. So <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Charlie, what game would you pick? Euro Truck Simulator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Already living that life, my friend. <laughs> um, I don't know. My Steam library real quick. Yeah. Snowrunner. I was, I was going to... Oh, oh Snowrunner <laughs> is a bit of a shout. Cause it's a yeah. bit more... A little bit different to my day today, but um, mm. I don't know. Not Maybe sure. Red Dead because I think I'm never going to get to experience that life. But you are going to so, get a life-threatening disease and die in the end. So yeah. Well, well, it depends what the rules are of this scenario. <laughs> well, you only get you get out when you complete the game. So you get to experience all that, and then you you wake up and you're magically back in your bed, hopping in your cement truck and going to work. I just won't finish it. Never come back. Never come back. I was, and when I read this question earlier, for some reason, Hades just popped into my head straight away. But that's like the last game I'd want to be stuck in because it's fucking brutal and you die constantly over and over. You are literally stuck in hell. I think I know my game. Go on, Ben. Go on. Mad Max. No. Why? Whipping about in a whip all day, killing (laughs) fucking hand to hand in everyone, like dehydrated for eight years. Building my magnum opus. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, that's Mad Max is a great game, and I think that's a real underrated game as well. Yeah, I love shout that. out Mad Max, sick. Or game. even like a mm. um, a Far Cry. It would just be like doing guerrilla warfare. That could be kind of ben fun. Just does a lust for blood. Yeah. Sorry. All right, I'll pick Maniac. Uh, I was going to say, like, imagine if you were the kind of person who picked like a dead space. You are a certified. <laughs> just love the torture. <laughs> yeah. Love the horror. Love. Just want to live a life of misery. No way. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for those questions. Uh, like I said, we will continue to read out your questions and messages over the coming episode. So apologies if we didn't get round to yours today. I promise we haven't ignored you. Um, if you'd like to send us any questions or comments, then you can do so by emailing hello at checkpointradio.co.uk. You can reach out to us on our social sites or by joining our official Discord server where we chat lots about games, share our epic gamer moments and even find people to play with. You can get to all that good stuff and more by clicking through the link in the description of this video. Well, that was a good episode, wasn't it, lads? I, I enjoyed that. Lots of discussion in there, talking about the business side of things and... As always. All sorts. I enjoyed mm. it. But um, yeah, what's everyone got planned for this week then? Uh, my long week of work. So boring. But I'm going to endeavour to get as far as I can with The Witcher. I might pick up Star Wars if you say so, James. If it gets to a stage where you're like, you know what? Maybe get it. Other than that, yeah. um, just a bog standard week for Ben. Just a generic week. Yeah. And similar uh, work. And then I've jumped back into Elden Ring today. So I want to. Yeah, I saw you on that earlier. 
yeah, I want to get through that. Final. Ben, make that your next game to play. But I was thinking because I had two. I was like, I've been playing a very much a sword slashy game now, medieval style. What do I play next? Do I play something like a diff- a similar genre or something completely different? So I actually don't know, but I do need to do Elden Ring. So I might actually do Elden Ring while I'm still good in that man. sword fighting kind of like vibey. That'd be good. Realm. I think I. I'm not going to get Jedi Survivor just yet because um, I've not played Fallen Order. So I'm going to try and give that a go, um, make a start on that. And then, yeah, other than that, just work, really. But it's a bank Same holiday old. tomorrow, so that's quite nice. Yes, yeah. I'm at work. No bank holiday for me. James, How about you, James? What are you doing? Uh, I'm just going to try and complete Star Wars. That's mm. it. Nothing planned, really. Um just waiting for the weather to get better. I miss the beach. I live by the beach. I want to go in the sea. Yeah. So I'm waiting for a nice bit of warm weather yeah. so I can take a dip in the sea. That'd be nice. Well, that was episode six of Checkpoint Radio. We hope you enjoyed it. My name's James. I'm Ben. I'm Connor. And I'm Charlie. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.